Okay, let's get into Sefer Bamidbar. Tavshinayin Tess, as we start a new Sefer, um, discussed in the past years uh, the various purposes that the Rishonim give to Sefer Bamidbar. Every Sefer has its own uh, entity, its own uh, essence, its own purpose. Uh, Torah's Kohanim, this is of course Chomesh HaPakudim, uh, many stories that happen in the desert. We have the first half, first couple of Prakim, what happens in year one and two. And then uh, the last couple of parshios that have to do with what happens in year 40 and Parshas Chukas when we have that split that is uh, not even mentioned explicitly in the text. Uh, but either way, we start off with the beginning, start off with Bamidbar. And as we know, many thoughts related to Bamidbar. And this year and here in Eretz Yisrael, Parshas Naso is also uh, before uh, Chag HaShavuos. Uh, some of the thoughts will um, be related to both the Parsha and the and the Chag. But uh, tonight we'll be focusing on the, uh, the Parsha and then maybe extending it a little bit. So the Torah starts off. Hashem says to Moshe in the Midbar. And the Medrash tells us right here at the beginning of Bamidbar, source number one, Bamidbar. The Torah is given in th- with three elements, with three uh, aspects, fire, water, and Midbar. And each one is discussed by the Bali Musr, the Bali Machshava. We're going to focus on the last one, because that's the name of the Parsha. By midbar. So what's the message of the Torah giving, uh, being given in the midbar? Chazal already darshan, just like a midbar everybody tramples on and walks on. So to Torah is, is, um, prevalent and successful only in those that are humble, that let people, so to speak, not trample on them, but those that don't hold themselves above, above others. But if you look at, we look in the Darky Musser of Naiman, he has another thought related to midbar. What is the midbar experience? And if we think about the midbar experience, that will lead us to a certain recognition, which will help us to be Kona Torah, which is what we're trying to do in these days leading up to Maimon Arsini. As Rishol Salanter pointed out, every one of the 48 Kinyanim that are mentioned in the end of Pirkei Avos and the Bryce of Kinyan Torah is for another day of the of the Sphira. So we're all trying to be Kona Torah. So what exactly are we supposed to think about related to Midbar? So says the Dark Musar, Venir Lavaris Ha'inyan, Bamidbar, Ima'adam Mevin Shunimsa Bamidbar, She'ein lo ami levtawach, if a person recognizes that he's in the midbar of the desert, and he realizes that it's all t- dependent on God, if somebody has the proper recognition, if they're in the midbar, they have to have that recognition. I mean, how are they going to survive? If a person has the recognition of midbar, the more we realize that we're dependent on Hakadosh Baruch Hu, Hakadosh Baruch Hu is going to answer and be mashgiach. On us, if we have the midbar mentality, Sadaqadish Baruch was going to be more involved and give us, so to speak, the man and the be'er and the ananei hakavod. They had bitachon. They recognized, and right after that, vatalandim chugechayim. Avarab is one of the most powerful tefillos that we have. I think I mentioned in the past, the Chazanish said that all of his, he didn't say godless, but all, any success that he had had in learning is because of the kavana that he had when he said Avarab. Avarab, it's amazing, amazing tefillah. So, says the Darki Musur, if somebody has the midbar mentality and recognizes that it's all totally in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, then HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to give him Torah. Why should it be? What does one have to do with the other? The answer is, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, he gives us this promise, right? Because nobody, we can't be Kona Torah without Siyat HaDashmaya, without HaKadosh Baruch Hu's help, 
We can try to understand something and try to gain and try to research, but it's not like a, any other study as we know. There's magic. There's so much panemius when it comes to Torah. How we have a zochet to that. So the more we trust in HaKadosh Baruch Hu in our lives, the more bitachon we have, the more then we can be successful. Let's say there's a big rabbi that I'm trying to be very close with. I try to hang out with him all the time. I try to be at all of his meals, all of his tishim. I try to always be near him. So if I'm always near him, obviously I'm going to hear all of his teachings many times, all the things that he always likes to say, all of the mannerisms. Things are going to rub off. So the more we're with this person, the more we're going to mushpa. So if we look at ourselves as being soed on the Shulchan Shal HaKadosh Baruch we recognize that we're on God's table and we're always with HaKadosh Baruch We always bring him to our table. We always allow him in. When Hashem served, so to speak, Hashem, the ultimate chef, Serve them the man, and they were always constantly connected. That's why look at the hashgacha that they had: the man, the be'er, and the an, and the akavid. Shamu b'nei kala tarakula, v'kein kalechol lefi madregaso at kama shehu boteach b'ashem who meochli shulchan who shomei makarish baruchu chachbaso. So the first message that we have from tonight's shir, as we prepare for. Yom Kabbalah Satora is that more. The more we recognize that we're dependent on a kadosh baruchu in our lives the more Torah we will be zochet to. And if we think about it, there could be a deeper direct connection because what is Torah? The Dvar Hashem. The concretized Ratzon of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. As we know, we mentioned this Mashal in the past. Right? How do, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is invisible. Hashem is not able to be seen. How do we get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? How do we understand HaKadosh Baruch Hu? We can't fully. But... We know that if we knew certain likes and dislikes of another being, we could try to get to know them. I don't know a person, but if somebody gives me a list of the 20 things they like and 20 things they don't like, I start understanding a little bit about the person. If they give me a list of 100 things they like and 100 things they dislike, this food, this experience, this entertainment, this neighborhood, I start really getting... I've never met the person, but I'm starting to understand what makes him or her tick. If I'm giving 613 likes and dislikes then I really start getting a feel. Not fully, not perfect, but I'm starting to get a feel for this being. And that's how we get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So the more we're connected, the more Torah we're going to be zochet to. Like the Chavetz Chaim points out in one of his writings, right? Just in his, in his lifetime, photography was just coming out. But the Chavetz Chaim writes that the Torah is kilo a photograph of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So it's not exactly HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's like a mashal. And that's why we have to try to learn all the Torah. Because if we're missing part of the Torah, we're only seeing a part of the photograph. So the more we delve, and the more we try, again, ultimately there will be parts that we can't understand. Because we're not a Kaddish Baruch Hu. But, says the Daki Musr, that's why the more we have the Midbar mentality, so we will be Zochet to Torah, uh, just like somebody who is close to a person, who always is with them and allows them in, they are... Mushpa from, from them. One idea. There is a similar idea later in the Parsha. Not about Torah, but about family. And we mentioned this thought in the past, but I'll mention it again this year from uh, Rav Cheska Levinsky. We mentioned a, a similar thought from Rav Palm in the past. We have a lot of lists in the Parsha and in the Sefer. We have 
in Pasuk Lamites, in the 39th Pasuk in the Parsha, we have the done numbers. How many people are there in Shevet Dun? Shnayim Veshishim Elef, 62,700. Shnayim Veshishim Elef, Ushvameos. So that is a pretty large number. Pretty large number, says the Yerushalmi in Erevin. You look at source number two. Lafisha Yeshifto shall done Merube Bo'uchlosin. Hayanosea Bachrona. They were called the Ma'asef. As we know, Don went last because they were a very large event and therefore they gathered everything that might have been lost. They were the Hashavah Saveda, Shevet. Great. So if you think about it, compared to the other Shvatim, Don was pretty large. Except for Yehuda, Don was the biggest. Interesting, if you think about it, says Yechazka Levenstein, when we think about where Don came from and what happened to Don when they left Mitzrayim. Who was Don when they went into Mitzrayim? Shevet bin Yamin, when they went down to Mitzrayim, remember the 70 Nefashos, or Nefesh, as the Pasuk calls them, Parshas Vayigash, when they went down to Mitzrayim, bin Yamin had ten sons. Mupim, Chupim, Ard, all those sons that were named for, for Yosef. He was a huge family. And Don had one special child. Chushim. Bin Yamin had ten sons. Don had one special child. So Binyamin should have been the largest Shevet, right? Exponentially. How many children, how many grandchildren, how many great-grandchildren? As we know, he was deaf. Don was worried. What's going to be with my Shevet? And yet, B'yitzias Mitzrayim, we find the Matzav HaFuch. Sheva B'yamin Lomana Ela, Shloshim V'chamisha Ela, 35,400. Done, 62,700. Almost double. Almost double. What's the message? The message is when it comes to generations, it's not just about nature. It's not just about, you know, percentages and population growth. Hashem is in charge of generations. Hashem is in charge. And we're not saying anything negative about Binyamin, but we're just saying the message overall is that we just need to daven. Because we know HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge. He's mezaveg zivugim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is molid. Hashem decides about, right, the partner, the ultimate partner, even though the Gemara says in Nida that there are three partners in a child. Mother, father, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, but Hakadosh Baruch Hu is the one that decides whether there's going to be a child, right? He's the ultimate one who who decides whether everything's going to work out, and obviously the main parent. If we just think about you know nature, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And here in the Sefer Lehis Anig, he quotes a story, quotes a story from uh, the Chavetz Chaim. Sorry for the Chavetz Chaim, he quotes, there was a Minagamakom that one time there was a Beres Galicia, Chavetz Chaim told over the story, people got together before Moti Shabbos, Mayrif, to say to Hillam, say to Hillam in the shul, 
So one time, Nichlas Achim Mitoshvi Makom, one of the people came to the shul and he saw in one of the corners there was a man that was davening his heart out. He was crying and davening, Bidvekos Gedola. We're now getting into the halachic issues about crying on Shabbos and the davening of Bakashas on Shabbos. Okay, not for now. But Kisharazos, when this man who walked in saw this other fellow who was davening and, and, and like, like, not, like, like there's no tomorrow, he said, okay, me too. He also started with Eslavos. And he was davening and davening, and neither of them knew what each one was davening for. But they were just davening and davening, and each one was being inspired by the other one. After the second man goes over to the first one and says, Could I ask what you were davening for? I have a daughter that can't find a shidduch. I don't have enough money for a dowry. I don't know what to do. She's a great girl. The whole week I'm out busy, working. I don't have time to focus, but now Shabbos. I'm about to go back to during the, during the week. And I don't see her, but Shabbos, I'm home with her. I see, and I need to daven. And the man says, that's interesting. I have a son. I have a son who's needs a shidduch, and I've been davening for my son. And I'm davening and davening that he should have me. I don't, he has Yerushalayim, but he, we don't have no money. You know what? I have a great idea. Let's put him together, the kachasu, and they went out. And look at that. They liked each other and got married, and they had four sons. The most famous being the Ksos Rav Ayyelei by Cohen Heller, the other son, the brother of the Ksos, the Kuntras Hasveikos, right? For some of the Baalei Hamasora, the greatest of the generation. And Rav Mordechai quotes all the other sons, Harelanu, so what do we see? It looks hopeless. We push, we push, and we dive in. Again, the answer, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sometimes has is no, but we know the only way it's going to happen is if we recognize HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge. And in that way, there's a chance. In that way, there's a possibility. So both in Torah, that was the Dark Musr, the more we connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we realize our tmut, our dependence on HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the more we zochet to Torah, so too, says the Chafetz Chaim, says Rav Cheska Levenstein, the more we connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the more it'll be for our children and our grandchildren and our future generations. It's not based on logic, either area of Torah or a family. And these are probably the two most important uh, areas that we have. Remember, I once went to visit, I had a great uncle. I went to visit him right before he was nifter in the hospital. He was 98 years old. And he said, I'm proud of two things. Proud of two things. He said, I'm proud of my family, my children, my grandchildren, and I'm proud of the rabbi Shir I went to every Shabbos afternoon. I didn't miss it for many years. Family and Torah. What's, what's, uh, what are we going to be proud of? What are we going to look back on? Right, as, the, as a famous uh, man once said, nobody said on their deathbed, I wish I spent more time in the office. Right, that wasn't something that somebody looks back. Family and Torah, and that's what we learn in the first two sources here. The, the, the dependence that we feel on HaKadosh Baruch Hu in both these areas gives us Hatzlacha in these areas. Okay, moving right along. Let's go back to the name of the Parsha. So we call it Bamidbar. Right, the names of the Parshios are not scientific. Right, They're based on the first... Word or words, right? Shmos, Va'era, Bo, 
Right, where the Baal Babacher Rebbe we've discussed in the past has a thought on on the name of each parsha that we do it. But in the Midrashim, there's no names of parshios. Right, there are sections, but there are names of Svarim. So the official name of Bamidbar is of course Chumash Apakudim. not Bamidbar. We call it Bamidbar, but it's the countings, the countings. Right, in English, numbers. Right, so that's not that's closer to counting, that's closer to Bakudim than it is to that it is to Bamidbar. So if we look in the Sefer Ma'at Min Ha'or, which we quoted once before a couple of months ago from Rav Hanan Parat, he quotes, Shmo shal chumash ha-revi ba-midbar lo-kuach mi-ha-pasak ha-pasach ha-sefer. Vaitabash ha-mo she bin-mar Sinai, fu-holem lo-haflis, in-yanu shal ha-sefer kulo, ba-midbar is appropriate. Why? Because this whole Sefer takes place in the desert, the 40 years. We didn't know that yet, that we were going to be there for 40 years. But Lamaisa, the Torah is given, this is the Sefer of ba-midbar. In the desert, Mr. Tetes Masakabir, a tremendous travel. And if we think about it, there was never such an event in the history of the world. Two million people traveling together, going on a journey, going towards their destiny, creating a history together that's unheard of before or after. When was there ever a people that stayed together, that didn't, you know, cut off and say, I'll, you know, somewhere else? No. It's a door generation. Unbelievable. But of course, as we know, quotes the Gemara Menachis, that is called Chumashapakutim. Right? The countings. As we know, two, two major countings in the Sefer. Bamidbar and Pinchas. Bamidbar here it's the Yotze Mitzrayim in the second year, and Pinchas, we know, is the 40th year, right? Because in Chukas, that's the switch. Right, the 40th year, and it's pretty similar. Pretty similar numbers. As he quotes the numbers, turning over the page, pretty similar numbers. But if, if you think about it, he says, very creatively, the two names of the Sefer kind of go, are going in opposite directions. Right, we might think, what does one have to do with the other one? But Midbar and Pakudim, says of Hanan Parat, are opposite directions. What's a midbar? A midbar means hefker. A midbar means lack of order. It's the desert. Things grow in the wilds. There's no orderliness. There's no civilization. It's just the desert. Right? People trample on it. People walk. There's no order. Hamidbar lefitivo hu makom hefker lolomisgeres. There's no framework. Viseider hein baafyo hagiography. Right? How did this, based on topography, geog- ge- geography, there's no specific order. What's kudim? Countings. Countings. You have a specific order, and you have a number, and you have a structure, and you have a position. Everybody has their spot. Everybody has their place. It's kind of opposite of Midbar. It's not Hefker. Kudim is not Hefker. Call prat umishpacha base av v'shevet nifkadim biyodim es hamakomam. Everybody knows their place. Ish al machaneu v'ish al diglo. So how do you put these together? Midbar is like hefker, and pekudim is order. That's the challenge of the sefer: to have order in hefkeris, to be in the d- desert, to be in a makam hefker, and yet be mufkad, and yet be misudar. 
Efshar shezeu achin ha'etgar ha'omed b'mokad parshas b'midbar. That's the challenge. La'aso seder v'la'aroch mifkad dafka b'leva midbar. Lo la'seis la'havayat ha'midbar lehish talit al chayamachne. Not to let the vicissitudes of what surrounds them to influence them to be a hefker nation. No. These 40 years were to become Avdei Hashem. Elo lahadzbiro, to lead them. Velivnos mitoch hacholot hanodedim, to build from the sand dunes. Chayi chevra ulaom benuyim letalpiyot. Fine. That's the goal. The question is, how is it done? So how do we do it? Okay, that's the goal. You're in the desert, you got to keep order. V'kan nishal ha'sashel ha'gdola, eich be'emes nitam la'aso seideh ba'midbar. So how do you do it? How do you keep order in the Hefker place? So he explains, and we've quoted this from Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky in the past in a different context, there has to be some type of magnetic force in the middle that's holding everybody together. If you have something that, that connects all, so then Mamela, you're not going to go out into the Makam Hefker because there's going to be a pull. It's not about everybody settling. There's an akuta hapnimis. There's an inner sot point. What's that? Why was it so crucial as they go into the desert? To have the structure of the Degolim, we'll get back to that a little bit later, and the Aran in the middle, and the Machana concentric circles that go around and around. Because it's all about, everybody's got to be close to that center. Saviv Nekuta Primezu, Arachamachana Kulo Bamagalim, Concentrium. Machana Shrina, Machana Levia, Machana Yisrael Shvatov. And that's what it says. Mineget Saviv Laoel Moed Yachanu. That is the, that's the midpoint. That's the midpoint. And go towards the bottom a little bit more. Forty-three. The Satan and the Yitzhahara knows he wants to break that magnetic forest, or he wants to bring other things that that could uh, pull us away. But our goal is to stay strong in the Makkah Midbar, to stay strong in the Seder. In the Seder. And that of course is, that of course is a message that applies in every generation. He ends off, right, towards the end of six. We're in Eretz Yisrael now. We have a Jewish government. But we have to make sure that we have that, that centerpiece. Again, we're not Zoha yet to have Malchus based David. We're on the way, but we're not there yet. So what do we do? How do we stay safe? We have to stay safe if we have to remember that there's an Aaron in the middle. Even with all the Nisim and the flows that we saw in 1967. Adayin it's not, we don't have it there yet. Right, you think about in the days of the Mikdash, if people would focus on the Kotel, they'll be laughed at. Like, what is it, that outer wall? What are you focusing on? That's, that's a Tafel, the Iker, the base of Mikdash, the Heichal, the Azara, the Azaz Nashim, our bias. So we can't lose focus. Yes, we have the Kotel, Baruch Hashem, we have. Akadosh Baruch was Mizakeh us. 2,000 years ago, it was promised the Kotel will never fall. 
But we have to recognize that we're still missing. We're still missing the Merkaz. We're missing. And if we had that, then all the other problems of our society would fall away because the magnetic force will be there in the middle, just like it was in the days of the Midbar. Right? We have to have it. So we have to open Sefer by Midbar and realize what we need. We have to make sure that we, we recognize what we need in the middle and try to adjust ourselves to be able to live a successful spiritual life even before, even before we're Zoha to the ultimate Merkaz of the Koanim Bikunasam and Leviyam Bavodasam and Leviyam Biduchan. Midbar versus Bikutim. Very uh, creative thought. Okay. I remember Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky quoted that also in the past. We mentioned that Rabbi Yaakov wondered why the whole structure and the Degalim waited until year two, like here now, and wasn't Mitzvah, right, when they went out of Yusuf Mitzrayim. Right? Why did we, we have that delay? Rabbi Yaakov asked. We discussed this 10 years ago, I think probably in the first year. And Rabbi Yaakov explains, because if everybody has their degel and everybody has their own area, there's a danger that there'll be 12, 12 nations instead of one nation. You need that glue in the middle to be able to connect everyone so that people don't go off on their own into a makam hefker. You need that glue. And the, that was only after Maimon Arsinai. And once you have the Maimon Arsinai and the Aaron and the Mishka and the Omoed, so then you're able to be able to have everyone uh, traveling through. Okay, moving right along. Moving right along. Perak base. Perak base plus Yudalad. So we have, if we look at Aluf Yudalad and Beis Yudalad. Perak Aluf plus Yudalad, we have the Nasi for Shevet God. Legod, El Yasaf Ben, Duel. If we look in the next Perak, Beis Yudalad, we have the Nasi for Sheva God again. And here, his father is Venasi Levnei, I'm sorry, Beis Yud Dalid. Umatei God, Venasi Levnei God, El Yasaf Ben, Ruel. Is it Duel or is it Ruel? Right, the same, same Nasi. They have a different father. It's the same father. Rabbi Franz, in his newest Sefer on Allah, Torah, on Chumash, the power of Avart, is the name of it. See, he quotes here. He says, what's, what's going on here? Right? The El Yasaf is mentioned five times in the Torah. Four out of five, it says Du'el. Right? And only once, it says Ru'el. So obviously, his name is Du'el. What's Ru'el? Why does the letter switch? So, my friend suggests, first asking another question, before quoting the Chidah. Moshe Rabbeinu, we know, was buried in Shevet Gud. Why were they Zoha? So you might say, well, there was only three. He wasn't going in. So it has to be Reuven, God, and Menashe. And you can only ask a why question if one of the other Shvatim was a better choice. That's true. But still, maybe we could say, right, why does, right, why does, why does God get it? What's unique about God? You might say, well, Reuven, Reuven was one of the, the sons of Leah. God was a Ben Ashivcha. Right, so, you know, maybe that's, that's a good reason why. Maybe it should be, be Ruvain or Menashe. Right, they were both children of Imahos, not Shivchos. So why was God Zoche? Says the Chida. Sorry that maybe we never, we didn't notice before. The four camps around the, four camps around the, uh, Olmoids. So who, who were the heads of the camps? 
Right? It was Degal Machene. What? So the first one was Israel Degal Israel Yehuda. Yehuda was the first one. Right? That's number one. Number two, Degal Machene Reuven Teman Olitzivosam. So Yehuda and Reuven. Next we have Degal Machene Ephraim Litzivosam Yama. And finally we have Degal Machene Dun. So we have Yehuda, Ruvain, Ephraim, and Dun. Says the Chida. Really, the four firstborns were supposed to be the heads. But Yehuda gets a head too. Because Yehuda's Malchus. And Yehuda said, Anochi Aravenu. So somebody had to give up their Bacharite. Somebody had to say, step aside. And say, okay, you can have it. We have four firstborns to their mothers. Right? Ruvain and Ephraim, who's a stand-in for Yosef. Right? For, um, for the Bechara of Rachel. And we have Dun. And we have God. Those are the four firstborns. Who doesn't get a Degel? God. God's the one that stepped aside. God's the one that was Mevater, that didn't complain. Says the Chidah, because he was Mevater, and he closed his mouth, he became God's friend. Reuel. Because when we don't complain about something, and as the Gemara says, Tola Eretz al-Balima, Misha Bolim Piv, somebody who controls when there's something to say, but we don't say it. That's something that brings us, brings us close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. God could have complained when the honor went to Don, not to them, but they didn't utter a word. The commentaries explain that the name Reuel, Rea El. A friend of Hashem, God earned his title, says the Chidah, by quietly accepting the Sheva Don, would lead the force Machane and not them. Remaining silent when you have a legitimate grievance is one of the most powerful sources of merit. And the reward can be immediate. Right, it comes up sometimes, hopefully not often, that there's a machlokis in shul about who's going to get the amud. Who's going to get the amud? I have this yard site, I have that yard site, you had it yesterday. The greatest schus that we could do for our departed relative is to let the other guy go. That's the greatest schus. More than any Yehishmei Rabbah. And we're not Yehishmei Rabbah, it goes there a decree, of 70, a decree of 70 years. But the Mepharshim explain to be mavater to give in when really it's supposed to be mine. But I see the other person is having a very difficult time, you know, dealing with it. Right? I see that. Again, we have to, like, try to mention if, if I have the right. But if, if push comes to shove, don't let push comes to shove. Don't let push and don't let shove. And that's the greatest chus because then we become a reyael. Then we become from a duel to a reuel. And then he quotes a story of the stechemet, which some of you might have heard before. The Sechemet, one of the greatest minds of the, obviously of the, uh, the 1800s, 1700s, the chief rabbi in, in uh, Hebron, uh, the Sechemet, the encyclopedic work, the, um, so to speak, the predecessor of the Encyclopedia Talmudit, right? It's an encyclopedia, pre-computers, unbelievable, the nine volumes of the, of the Sechemet. So they tell a story, there is 1834 to 1905, Rabbi Chaim Chizkiyo Medini, so uh, mid-1800s, and he died at the beginning of the 20th century. So 
was he always like this? So the story goes as follows. The Stechemid was a young Kolo man living in Bukhara, and he was unbelievable. He was Hasmada. He was uh, unbelievable. He was a great Bachar, great Talmud. And there was a guy that was jealous. There was somebody that was jealous of the Stechemid. Filled with envy, he decided to disgrace the Stechemid. What did he do? He went to the woman who worked in the yeshiva and told her to come out with terrible lies about the Stechemid did something. Very terrible lies. And I'll pay you this amount. And Kachave, she was paid, and she came out with uh, made-up stories, and rumors started to swirl, and people didn't know. And the the homeowner, who you know the uh, where, where she worked, Stechemid didn't say a word. He said it's not true, okay, but he didn't like scream at the other guy that he's lying. In the end, the owner fired the maid, and the damage was done though already. Having lost her job, the maid had to spend the money she received from the Stechemid's adversary on living expenses, and before long it was gone. She goes to the Stechemid and says, I'm so sorry, as you know, I made up the whole story. I'll come out and I'll tell everybody what happened and that he paid me off if you could just get me my job back. Just give me my job back. And the Stechemid says, I'll get you your job back, but don't come out. Because that'll be even bigger, Hashem, and people are going to be talking about it more, and, and just, just forget it. Just let it be. Let it be. And the Sechem had said, from that moment on when he decided not to cause more Chil Hashem, from that very second, he noticed he had extra special Siata Deshmaya in all of his learning. His wisdom shot up because he was Bolaim Piv. Source number nine, the Sechem related that instinctively, he decided, however, that revealing that a scoundrel had fabricated the entire story out of envy would create an even greater Chil Hashem. Later in life, he told a family member from, from the moment he decided to remain silent, he began to see extraordinary success in his studies. Right? That's sometimes, it says in Perkiavos, Elishtika. The key is to sometimes not say something. And we know there are many chazals about this. Right? Don't say something that's not going to be heard. Right? In the world of, in the world of Tochacha. And just being quiet when we're supposed to be quiet. So that is the, even when we're not supposed to be quiet. Again, we have to do the opposite. Here we're going to cause a bigger Chil Hashem. But this is the Ru'uel and the Du'uel. Okay. Aleph, Perak Aleph, Pazag Nundalet. So at the end of the whole discussion of the Masaos and the countings, Vayasu B'nei Yisrael, K'chol Asher, Siv Hashem, Esmosha, Kenasu. B'nei Yisrael did it. Doesn't exactly see what they did. It says after they were counted, it says they did it. So what did they do exactly? Source 10, Yam Simcha, Rabbi Freed. Yesh l'ha'ir, ma'asu b'nei Yisrael kan. Hatsibu l'fko b'nei Yisrael ha'ir l'moshe. Moshe was told to count them. They're counted. And then, you know, what they do? They were counted. What, what are they getting credit for? The Yesh Lomar. So he says, well, maybe. Shnei p'sukim kodim zeksiv v'chanu b'nei Yisrael. Isha machaneu. They went into their proper places. Okay. The problem is that can't be because that's in the next parak. This is just the counting. The Tzgalim of the next parak. Parak Olive is just the counting. So he says the Eben Ezra here has one line. It's a very short Eben Ezra. I didn't give it to you because he quotes the whole Eben Ezra. The Eben Ezra says it's referring to three Psukim earlier where the, the Levium were counted. And it says, "Uvin soa hamishkan yorido asolavim, uvachanos hamishkan yakim asolavim, vahazar hakarev yumas, valavim yachanu savir lamishkan oedus, v'loyeketsav aldas bnei Yisrael, v'shamru halavim es mishmeres mishkan oedus." 
Vayasu Bnei Yisrael. Says the Ebenezer, it's going on the Shmira of the Mikdash. The Shmira of the special Kalim. That's what it's talking about. They guarded, they didn't let people go, go close. Say, so ask the Yam Simcha. Not If they guard so that people don't overstep their bounds, they didn't do anything. They just prevented. They did shmira. So why would that be called vayasu bin Yisrael? And I might just add, it should be vayasu levim if they were the ones that guarded. Why do you vayasu bin Yisrael? Bin Yisrael didn't. Bin Yisrael didn't go close. So that's a vayasu. So he says, maybe it is a Vayasu. Because remember, the Arachayim HaKadosh. Spoke about him a, bit, a little bit last week. The Arachayim HaKadosh writes in Parshat Kisisa on the Pasuk, V'shamru B'nei Yisrael, as a Shabbos, Lassos is a Shabbos. In the same Pasuk, you have a Shamru and Lassos. How do you show man, how does a Shmira turn into a Lassos? Says the Yam, says the Yam, says the Arachayim HaKadosh. Because if you have a chance to do an Avera and I withhold, if I, if I have a chance to do something wrong and I hold back, that's not just a shmira, that's called an asiyah. I accomplished something. It's not just preventing something, I accomplished something. He quotes, like the Gemara says in Kiddushin, If I prevent myself from doing something wrong, it's ki'ilu, I did a mitzvah, in certain regards. When an avera was bali yadi. So to Shabbos, I have the opportunity to violate, and I don't, that's the creation of Shabbos. I create Shabbos by not violating Shabbos. So explains the Yam Simcha, maybe that's the Pshat here too. Naturally, naturally, B'nai Yisrael might have wanted to go closer. You think about it, it's not fair. The Aaron's in the middle, the Levim get to do it, the Kohanim. I'm also a spiritual guy. I want to do some of it. Let Let me see the Shulchan in the menorah. Well, it's not fair. I want to do some of it. And maybe they'll do what, maybe we'll call it an Aveir Lishma. They won't be able to control it. So there's an Averish Abaliado, and they didn't. That's an Asiyah. Right? That's a Vayasu. They kept their borders. They didn't go above and beyond, even in the name of God. Even in the name of religion. The Harsina had to have a gate, a fence, and Moshe Rabbeinu had to tell him again, don't go close. So we know it must have been very difficult, but they were able to do it. And that's a Vayasu. And maybe that teaches, maybe even relates to the previous thought that we were just talking about. Sometimes withholding and preventing is itself a creation and something positive. It's not just, I didn't, and that's it. Sometimes not doing is something positive. We have, we have mitzvot like that. And uh, sometimes we have a mitzvot say or a losa say that's passive, or a mitzvot say that's active. Right? That's an active losa say that you have to act. Right, if you're passive, then then it's an avera. So sometimes the the lines are somewhat somewhat blurred. But here we have not doing something turns into an asiyah. Okay, so let's talk about the flags again. This is a very uh, I would say common thought that's said by many, but we'll see it this year through the eyes of the nesiva shalom. The slanim arevi here in source number eleven. Right, what's the message of the flags? Right, everybody has a flag. Everybody has a, you know, just march. What's the message of a flag? And he even quotes a fascinating medrash, line number nine. 
Chiba Gedola Chibavana Kadosh Baruch Hashem showed them great belovedness. Sha'asam Degalim Kamalachi Asharis Kedei Sheyu Nukarim. Hashem made them flags like Malachim have flags. Really, Malachim have flags. Flags are physical. Right? What does that mean that a Malach has a flag? Uminayin Shehu Ahavali Yisrael had as how does we know that? That he has such love. Shekin Shlomo Omer, have you any al besayain vidiglo alai ahava? From the word degel. Vishasha, nigla kadish barach al arsinai, yardimo chavi revo shemalachim, when a shem went down arsinai, uh, 22, 10,000, right? 220,000 of malachim went down. Shemarecha vechavi, basayim, alfe shanan, masuyim, degalim, degalim. They all had flags. Shemar, dagul, mirvava. Kivan Sharo, O son Yisrael, Shinasuyim Degalim Degalim, once B'nai Yisrael at Harsinai, they saw Malachim come down, they saw flags of Malachim, they're like, hey, we want flags too. His Chilu Misavim Ledegalim. Why should only Malachim have flags? We want flags. Amru Halavai, Kachanu Onasin Degalim Kemosan. Amru Halavai, Kachanu Man Nitavisem Laasos Degalim, Chayechem Shani Mamali Mishalosechem. Okay, you wanted it? You got it. I'll give you flags. Miyad odiyah kadosh baruch hu osam liyisrael. Omar lemoshe lech asay osam degalim kemoshe nisavu. Right, make them degalim. Right, like we say in lam natzeh uvishem elokenu nidgol, nidgol degel. Right, so what's what's the message? Flags, malachim don't have flags. Vish lahavin leichara degalim iningashmi. Mashayach zos polam malachim otzarach beer maduah nisavu yisrael shiaso osam degalim. Why they want it so badly? What's the mile of having a degel? What exactly is what exactly is going on here? So says Siva Shalom. Again, um, many have this uh, many have this point. Skip down a couple of lines on the next page. What's a degel? A degel is a reflection of uh, a mahus. In essence, this is my flag. This is my flag. What do I stand for? What do I stand for? Every single human being has a flag. And every single shevet has a flag. And every single no entity has a flag. Right? What are the what are the uh, the basic values and the basic beliefs? Right? The essence of a malach is a purpose. Right? A malach means a messenger. That's the essence of what a malach is. So when the Bnei Yisrael says the Nesivah Shalom saw the malachim. It means they saw that each Malach was created for a purpose, with a certain essence. Michal, Gavriel, Rafal, Uriel. Shalakolechan mehem, 17. Yish derach miyuchedes pavodes Hashem, ba'ofan shebohem ovdun Hashem yizbarach. Each of the Malachim serve Hashem in their own unique way. V'zeh shenis avo Yisrael shiasos on the Golem. We want that. We want to be able to express ourselves in our own unique individual, avodes Hashem. When we saw the Malachim with, you know, infinite. Each one has their own unique job. They also wanted it. We want to serve our Kodesh Baruch Hu in our unique way. We want to have our unique Tafkid, our unique flag. And how we should know what our purpose is. 
We should know it, not just that we should have it, we should recognize it and know it. What's so worse and bad? Right, what's so depressing? And this is such a, a machla in our generation as well. People don't feel their self-worth. People don't feel that they're special in the eyes of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. People don't feel that Hashem loves them. And Hashem gives them a special, a special, you know, a special kiss every night. And everyone has their own unique neshama. What's the purpose of life? Because if we only see what's in front of us, the world looks like, it looks confusing and dark. Right? Olamazeh is called Choshech in the Medrash. Right? Olamazeh is called Choshech. Right? There's only, right, Olam Haba. Right? So if we look around, we have to, we see the, we see the Bira, we see the fire, but we have to see the Bala Bira, like Avram Avinu. If we know there's a Bala Bira, then then, then we get the, all the inspiration that we need. Because we realize this is all preparation. And what does Hashem answer them? They saw the Malach and Hashem says, I'll give you flags. Every Jew, we each have a different shlichus. We spoke a little bit Monday night um, in the in the shul. Every right, the second that we were born was when Hashem decided the world cannot exist without us anymore. At that moment, the world needs you. And that's why, right, whether we were born early, late, that's the moment Hashem decided. And that's the greatest. When we realize this, that we have to recognize that every Jew has that. Every Jew has that in him. Every human being has that in him. And that's what, on the top left now, what David Amalek says towards the end of Tehillim. Writes, there's no star without a purpose. Right, if the stars get out of whack and the magnetic forces and the asteroids and Hashem has a system and everything's interconnected and everything has a purpose and we have to realize that that's beyond human comprehension and capabilities to comprehend but we have to realize that every shape it has their own purpose as well every group of Jews every type of Jews has their purpose some excel in tefillah. Some excel in Torah. Some excel in chesed. Some excel in ahavas eres Yisrael. Some excel in recognizing other people's pain. Some excel in beaker cholim. Some, all Jews, we have to try to learn from everybody. But we recognize that, you know, different ovde Hashem excel in different areas. And it's, you know, our job to try to learn from them and be inspired by them. 26. That's the purpose. And we have to recognize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu helps us with our Degel. And Hashem just wants us to recognize that A, we have a Degel. And B, it's our job to do what we can to be able to to uh, fulfill what our Degel stands for. Okay, and there's a lot more. The Yitzhahara, the Yitzhahara, he says on, in 13, the greatest Yitzhahara that we have is to tell us that we don't have a Degel, we don't have a Tachlis, and that's why the Torah tells us, Ish al Diglo, every man, every man, Ish al Diglo, everyone has their their uh, their purpose, and even if it looks like, you know, many, many, many people all together, they're not more than the stars. Not more than the stars. 
and you know every star has its shame, and so too, so too are are um, human beings. Okay, finishing up with one thought on the Haftorah, as we had last week. Also, Haftorah tells us from Hoshea. It's interesting that it's kind of like a contrast, right? There's a, the the uh, Parsha talks all about counting. And then the Haftarah starts off with, Impossible to be counted. Okay, interesting. But the Pasa continues. Instead of saying, right, you are not my nation. When a Kaddish Baruch Hu is upset at us, it'll be said to us, B'nei Kelchai. Right? Instead of the distance we have from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we will have the closeness. We will have the closeness. So the stipler in the Birchas Peretz says, what's the dafka word? The word bimkom. In the place. In the place as if there's a connection between where we were and where we will be. So it says the Birchas Peretz. Again, it's the Gemara Masechas Yuman Daf Pevav. The goal of life is not to not make mistakes. The goal of life is to take the mistakes that we will make and grow from them and build on them and be able to learn from them and take it to even higher heights. So what does that mean? If we do tshuva me'ava, our averos become mitzvos? What does that mean? If we use our averos to motivate us to get close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, those actions themselves... Meaning the actions that brought us to a state of lo ami atem could bring us to a state of b'nei kalchai. And that's what he says, skipping down uh, for uh, a couple lines. Bemes yesh halalu revach atzum. One can learn a great deal from failures. One can learn a great deal from failures and from, and from uh, being tripped up. So we can all think back to certain experiences that we had the first time we did blank. First time. I remember one of the first, one of my early times. I gave a chabura in the kol, in the kol, my years in the kol elyon in Yeshiva University. It was a learning experience. Let's just leave it at that, right? It was a learning experience, right? And you know, you learn from you learn from you know how to do things. But without those experiences, you know, one you know one one doesn't learn, and one doesn't grow, and one doesn't remember decades later that oh, that day taught me something. Because Adam b'tivo. He says, and it's not just growing. He says we have to use every experience so we can't be Samech Bechalkenu. He quotes from many of the Bali Musar. Often we're Samech Bechalkenu in Ruchnius and just not in Gashmius. In Gashmius we're never Samech Bechalkenu. Right? We see what our neighbors will have and want and, uh, you know, we're, we, we wish. And in, in Ruchnius we're okay, we're good. You know, I dive and I learn. I, I'm pretty good. I'm okay. And we're Samech Bechalkenu. Oh, right, it says in Pergeavos. I'm Samech Bechalko. So I'm Samech Bechalki. Exactly where, where I am. So he says, no, we have to fight that. Because he says that anybody who's Samech Bechalko is not going to stay Chalko. Because as we know, life is, is not stagnant. If we're not going up, we're going in the other direction. Right? As we've quoted in the past, life is going up and down escalator. Right? It'll turn into habit. We won't be excited about it anymore and then we'll lose it. We have to take every experience that brings us distance from HaKadosh Baruch Hu and bimkom, use that experience itself. Bimkom, that's the key word in the Pasuk. In the place of using the same thing, 
we have to realize that life's not about being perfect. There were only four people that were perfect and it hasn't happened in a long time. Uh, but the, the goal of life is to take our mistakes and to build on them, to serve HaKadosh Baruch Hu through all the experiences that we have in life and realize HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in charge as we started off in all areas of our life. Okay, we'll stop here, Hashem, and we will continue.